Well, welcome everybody uh, to Rise again. And uh, man, I love doing that. I love when uh, uh, growing our church through babies. That's the best way, you know, and um, just love it. And so glad everybody's here. Welcome to Rise. My name's Aaron. Uh, I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so grateful that you're here with us on a cold day, um, but a good day. And uh, if you are a guest with us, I always invite our guests to come back at least uh, three times. Everybody say three times. And the, the reason we do that is because um, we really believe that we have something special here, but, but you got to come more than once to see it and um, to kind of get a feel of it. And our, our goal is honestly that you would feel spiritual family. That's, our, that's kind of our, our language that we use here. And so we hope you, you feel that. If you're watching online, do me a favor, like, comment, share, uh, leave a review. Let us know that you're there with us. Um, maybe tell us what you're eating for breakfast. And uh, we're so glad that you're with us. Make sure you show up um, with us uh, in person one day. Um, I will give uh, just one caveat. This is just to this service. Yeah, you are the 930 service. And um, I, God, I love you so much. And I have a request to ask as your pastor. Um, just a side note. Um, our church is growing, and it's growing like it's never grown before. Um, God is doing so many amazing things. But um, I've shared this with you before. We're out of space. And um, if you just look around, I mean, we're out of space. And so a lot of reason we, we, um, we ask you to move is not because we want to make you uncomfortable, but primarily is because we want to make more space for people to come. And just so a side note, um, most guests and visitors were going to come uh, during this service or, or possibly next service. And so here's what that means. We want to have room, bottom line, we want to have room for guests. And so if you can, and if it's at all possible within your family flow, we'd love for you to move to maybe the 1230 service. I know that sounds crazy. I know that sounds like a lot, but you could be a missionary yourself inside of your own church just by moving one service. And so if you could do that, that would be amazing. Give us more opportunity for us to reach more people and seek God, continue to do some amazing things. So um, if I have any takers, the Lord under God will see your heart. So please do that and um, will help us together. Uh, we're in the middle of a series called How To. And um, I've been thinking about this series because um, I, I, a lot of times, I don't, if you're like me, I, I think about the first part of the year and I want to figure out how to make my year better. You know, no one started the year off and going, you know what, that year was, last year was great. This year I kind of want to be a little less than that. We don't think like that. We think we want to have a better year. And oftentimes we, we want something, but we don't know how to get there. And so we want to, we want it as a series, as a church, to create a series to kind of give you some ways to win at certain things. So week one, we talked about how to um, start the year off right. We talked about goals a little bit. Last week, we talked about how to win with money. And um, if you've struggled with money, I highly encourage you, please go back and watch that sermon last weekend uh, on YouTube or Spotify or it's everywhere. We put them everywhere. It's on Apple Podcasts. But um, go back and look. God wants you to win with money. I, I want you to know that. You know, like it's not always like God wants you to be rich as the world would define rich. But he does want you to win with money. He wants you to not feel the burden and the pressure of finances in your life. And there's some things that we can do, I think, that can help us strictly, strategically win with money. This week, we're going to talk about something that I think is so foundational and fundamental for us. And um, hopefully, this could be a blessing to you. That would be my hope and my spirit. Um, but we're going to be Luke chapter 4 today. Luke chapter 4 is where we are going to be at in the Bible. If you um, are new to Christianity or new to the Bible, um, I love this book. But it's a collection of books, and um, if you've never opened it up, maybe you've trusted a religious person to read it for you, or maybe you've never, you maybe been intimidated by it. It's not an intimidating book if you read it the right way. And so my encouragement to you is get a get a Bible, find a translation that you can um, 
uh, understand. And if you need help with that, we will help you with it. Just go to our information center. We'll make sure you have the right Bible. Um, but we're going to be in Luke, which is going to be in the New Testament. So the Bible is broken up into Old Testament, New Testament. In the New Testament, um, it starts off Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the what we call gospels. They're summaries of the life of Jesus. And um, we're going to be in that third book called Luke. And Luke was a physician who was commissioned by a guy to write about the life of Jesus. And we're going to read about Jesus's um, kind of start into ministry. It's going to be kind of a cool, because a lot of times we'll read about Jesus' ministry, but we're going to read about Jesus' start into ministry. And uh, he was just baptized, um, which is amazing. That's why we do baptism, by the way, because we model after Jesus. Jesus said to baptize people. He got baptized. And he was just baptized. And the, the Bible says the, you know, the sky opened up and the spirit descended like a dove. And, and God said, maybe the most foundational things that you as a father can say to your kids, this is my son and whom I well pleased. Side note, he said that before Jesus even did anything. He loves you before you even do anything. He, he loves you before you have to try to prove anything. He already loves you. He's already, you already got it. You already won the race. So, so we, we, we respond from his love, not for his love. Right? And so Jesus... That ain't even in my notes. That was free. So Jesus starts his ministry, but before he does it, he has this one interaction with Uranus' chief enemy, Satan. And we're going to read about that today. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. If you don't have your Bibles, we'll put it up on the screen. So then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Side note, if you're about to enter into a battle, you should go with the Holy Spirit. Returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted. Everybody say tempted. Come on, like you, you woke up this morning, you got a little bit of heat in your body because you, you're not too cold. Say tempted. tempted. He said tempted. He was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at all that time and became very hungry. Has anybody fasted before? Anybody ever fasted? Raise your hand. Rest fast. Some of y'all some of y'all like, well, when I miss a meal, you know, like, no, fasted. Like, you chose not to eat. One day I'm going to teach y'all about fasting. We will corporate fast. That day is not now. But we will do that because we believe it's biblical. It's, 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 a, it's a godly thing. We need to do that regularly. Jesus modeled it for us. He said, the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, if you are who you are, said you were, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say, please, people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said. Because you're mine because they are mine to give anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you would just worship me. And Jesus replied, the scriptures say, it's important, every time he has a moment, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and only serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. But the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you and guard you. And they will hold you up in their hands so they won't hurt you. They won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Side note, the enemy knows the Bible just like you know the Bible. Probably better than you know the Bible. He's been around a long time. And if you don't know the Bible yourself, he can manipulate the Bible to get you to do things. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Like, you got to have it in you. Jesus responded and said, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. And when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. If you're taking notes, the title of my message today is How to Overcome temptation, how to overcome temptation. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord. I'm so grateful that we're here in your presence. We know that you have a word for us today. (sighs) 
I just sense in my spirit that today could be a very unique day if we, if we, if we allow it. I pray that we would allow it. Holy Spirit, I pray that we would be open to you. I'm asking, I'm, I'm, I'm begging, I'm, I'm pleading, God, get, get me out of the way. Let this be a special moment. That we wouldn't just learn an ap- academic application of your word, that we would have a transformation moment, an impartation of your word into our spirit. Help us to be what you want us to hear in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Um, one of the things that always stands out to me in this scripture, I know this might sound weird to you, but whenever I read the Bible, something pops out at me a lot. And, and when I read this story, I've read this story I mean, thousands of times. Uh, the one thing that always stands out is verse 13. It says, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him. And I'm like, that's good. Praise God. Satan, get behind me. You know, I'm like worshiping the Lord. And then it said this weird statement. It said, until the next opportunity came. And I'm like, but like he defeated him. Yeah, he's under my feet. Y'all ever sing that song in church? He's under my feet. I'm like, he, but he gonna come back? And it just made me think like about my, even my interactions with the Lord and with the church. Because I, from an early age, I had, I'd given my life to Jesus. And it's odd that something didn't magically appear as a spiritual barrier between me and Satan. Because the moment I defeat him, he seems to the next day, is it just me or does it seem like the next day he back up at my doorstep again? Does anybody else feel like that? Like, I won, I won. And you go to bed and you wake up and you're like, Derek, he's again. again." Um, And I think I win, but it's just the beginning. When I was younger, my my wife and I, we had our, when we had kids to start off, we had twins. And um, so she was so, if you've ever seen my wife, she's up here a lot and she's tiny. She had a tiny little thing. And so she, she had two babies, two humans growing in her, you know? And I remember her at the end, her belly just shot out from her, you know? It was just out. And she was just done. And no matter where we put her in the house to sleep, she was not comfortable. Ladies, y'all know, y'all who've had kids, y'all know. You just get to that level where nothing's good, you know? And so I didn't matter what I got her to eat. It doesn't matter where I put her. She was mad and I was the reason, you know? And it was just was it was. And, um, at the end, right before the babies were born, she would be sleeping in the, on the couch because she found a spot on the couch, like her leg was over here, her arm was over here, her head was over, you know, we had pillows positioned. But the, 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 I went to bed and I woke up to my wife kicking the door in. She, boom, you know, and she banged on the wall, right? She's like banging on the wall, wake up. And I'm like, okay, what happened, you know? And she's like, we just... The water broke, you know, and I'm like, 
it's on, you know? So we grab the bag and we get everybody in the car. We drive down to the, to the, to the hospital. We get in the hospital and we're in there and, and she has to have an emergency C-section because like a, a, like a leg is coming out of her. And so like, it's crazy. We're all freaking out. And so all of a sudden the babies get pulled out and there's two of them come out and everything's, they're all wrapped up and they, they had to go into the NICU. And so that was kind of freaking. So we put them in there and I'm like, not what's going on. And my wife has to go be dragged off to have surgery to you know, sew her back up. And I'm not, I'm I'm a new dad. I'm freaking out. And I'm like, okay. But then the, the nurse comes in and she goes, all right, everybody's good. And I'm like, <sighs> and I took that breath. I don't know if y'all as a parent, when the baby finally is born, you know, there's a little trauma, right? But then the baby's there. And I remember touching my little son. He was in a NICU. So I had to put my hand in one of those like uh, circles that let your hand come in and I couldn't hold him yet, but I could touch him. And I remember thinking, I made it. And I must have said it out loud because the nurse was standing there and I said, I made it. Like, it's over. And the nurse started to giggle. <laughs> and I'm like, having a moment with my child. <laughs> Touching my child. I'm like, it's amazing. God's blessed my life. It's over. And she giggled and I said, what, what are you laughing at? And she goes, honey, and she grabbed my, I'll never forget, she grabbed my hand. She goes, you're just getting started. <laughs> it ain't over. You're going to have to, you're going to wake up tomorrow and your life's going to change and it's going to continue changing. And that lady was so right. And it's so, so similar to temptation and Satan. Y'all know that, right? Because it could feel like you get a victory over him, right? In some area of your life. And then the next day, he's back at it again. And you'll feel victory. And it's amazing how as a Christian, you can feel victory in one moment. And then the next day, you feel like you're being attacked again in the same situation. You thought you overcame. And then it's funny. And isn't it true that every one of us have some level of a temptation? And, you know, when I say temptation, most of us are like, well, I don't really struggle with porn. That's not what I'm talking about completely, right? Y'all know we're tempted with a lot of things. Some of you in here are tempted with your anger. Something bad happens or comes against you or wants, you know, adjust you or you get offended. Anger and you're like, you don't understand. It's in my blood. My dad was angry. My grandparents were angry, right? My grandparents, grandparents, grandparents were angry. Like I came from a line of like, you know, Paul, he seemed to be angry. I found it in the Bible. Anger's okay. So I've embraced my anger, right? You know, but like we're, we're, we're tempted to, to be angry in some moments where we probably shouldn't be. Maybe you're tempted to, to, to steal or take something that's not yours. Maybe you're tempted to cheat something and maybe it's a test or maybe it's someplace inside of your work. Maybe you, you could have done the right way, but you, you cut a corner and you got away with it and it made you feel good. And it, come on, y'all, like we're all tempted to lie. We're all tempted to lust. We're all tempted to gossip. We're all, there's these temptations inside of our life. And so what's interesting is when the temptation comes, what do you do? Like, what do you do? Some of us, you're like, well, I just kind of give into it and then just ask for forgiveness later. That's one strategy. Some of you are like, well, I pray about it. You know, I, you know, I really believe God for it. I mean, like, what do you, the question you have to ask them, what do you do when you, when you get in temptation? 
in your life. Let me give you a definition of temptation just so I can kind of give you just a, a thought about it because a lot of people have kind of misconceptions about temptation. I'll give you a working definition. It's this. It's the opportunity. This is a temptation. It's the opportunity to turn away from God's best and settle for something less. It's simply the opportunity, it's the invitation, it's the, it's, the, it's the welcoming in, it's the enticement, it's the allurement. It's not itself a sin because Jesus was clearly tempted and he lived a sinless life. So the temptation is not necessarily the sin, but it's the invitation from it. It's like, let me give you a pathway away from what you should do under God to what you could do under your flesh that actually brings about less in your life. It makes you a lesser version of your Self. You see this even in his interaction with, with Satan, Jesus' interaction. Satan literally has the audacity to offer him the kingdoms of the world when Jesus owns the kingdoms of all universes. He's offering him something what? Less. Other than what God has naturally given him. So, so by the way, a side note, because I know a lot of Christian people like to say, like, Satan made me do it. You know, that's not a thing, right? Satan has no control over your will. Satan can't make you do anything. He's, he just provides the opportunity to walk away from what God should be in your life towards something less. Towards, he's, just, he's, he's a liar. He's the father of all life. He creates the temptation, the trap, the situation, the moment so that you can walk away from God. And if that's true, then I want to give you three ways in our time we have left, three ways to overcome temptation, three ways to get past these moments, whatever it is that might come up in your life that could lead you away from God and give you something less this year. You want God's best this year? You're going to have to learn how to get over some temptations. Number one, number one is this. Here's how you overcome temptation. You got to see the trap. You got to see, everybody say see, you got to see the trap. I want you to, I love this about Jesus. Luke chapter four, he said, the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, if you are who you say you are, folks around here told me you were Jesus. If that's true, then um, tell the stone to become bread. And he, uh, and Jesus said, stop. I see what you're doing. You see, y'all see what he did? So I see what you're doing. You, you, you came at me. Isn't it interesting that Satan would tempt him at his weakest moment physically. Yeah. You know that idea when people talk about like, when it rains, it pours? Well, yeah. That's a strategy of the enemy. Y'all know that, right? He can't wait till you fall on the ground because he'd love to come kick you. It's harder to kick you when you're up and you got victory, right? You got money in the bank. The kids are listening. Your wife paid attention. Your husband came home. There's food in the fridge. I feel like a million bucks. Come at me, Satan. But when my life is struggling, man, that's when I feel anybody else. And so, so Satan comes at him and Jesus recognized, stop. I know what this is. It's a, what looks good is actually death. I hunt. I know y'all, some of y'all might judge me for that, but I hunt. Well, let me, let me clarify it. I shoot animals at really nice places that set things up for me, okay? Can I just say it like that? I don't go out and try to, you know, put deer urine on me. That's weird. You know, I don't do that. However, 
I'll go to places that are set up for hunting for guys like me who don't really do it on a regular basis, and that is what it is. But when I go out hunting, they have these clearings in the field, and here's what it is, right? They'll put me in a deer stand, and for six months ahead of my time being there, they've set up this area for the deer to go out. And you know what they do? They put food plots in the middle of the field and they put salt licks in the middle of the field and they create shooting lanes in the middle of the field. They get everything out of the way and the deer come in and they eat and they lick the salt and what the deer see as easy food. Is death. It's a, everybody say it's a trap. It's a trap. Like when, when Jesus recognized this moment, he said, this is a trap, Satan. And, and, and so like James even says in chapter 1, verse 14, says each person is tempted when they are dragged away. That, that, that word dragged away, it's a Greek fancy word. It actually means to lure out. It means, it means this, when we're, when we're tempted, we're being, we're being trapped. When we're tempted, we're being dragged away. And so what seems like easy money when you cut a corner inside of a business, when you're tempted to cut that corner, y'all know what it is. It's a trap. What seems like an easy release when you go off with that opposite sex person that you think is your friend and you want to unload about your wife too. It's a trap. When, when, you, when, you, when you don't discipline your kids be, with the lie that says, if I'm just nice to them now, they'll be nice to me later. It's a, somebody say, it's a trap. It's a trap. And so Satan's tempting you in all these little things. And you got to be careful that you got to see it. Now, how do you, okay, so then if I convinced you of that, then you'd be like, the natural question would be, okay. Well, then how do I see it? Um, let's look at Jesus. Here's how you see it. You, you, you got to have the Bible in you, not just around you. You got to have the Bible in you, not just near you. Can't just, it's got to be in you, not just read to you by your pastor once a week, once a, two weeks, once every month, once every time you jump on YouTube. And the algorithm sent you Rise Church <laughs> clip that Pastor Jason put together for y'all here. No, it's got to be in you. Because the moment, isn't it true that the moment Satan tempted him, Jesus' first response was what? The scriptures say, not what I think, not how I feel in the moment. I check my feelings and I'll get back to you. Satan. Hang on. Because if he would have followed his feelings, that, lo that stone would have been bred with the quickness, right? Like Jesus didn't struggle to, he could have, I mean, come on, that's kind of easy. When Jesus raised people from the dead, turning a stone to bread probably ain't that big of a deal. It's like, yeah, ciabatta. <laughs> that's just me. But it's got to be it's got to be in us because you got to have a basis of truth. Now I'm going to offend some people here in just a second and I'm going to have a good time doing it. Um, my son Winston he's 5. He's going to be 6. 
and um, he has this book that we, we teach him um, right now. My wife, we, we homeschool our kids, um, and, and my wife has this book that she uses right now with him at his age to teach him. Sh- uh, she's been teaching him shapes for the last couple of years and just numbers and everything, all the kind of stuff that you need to get him or whatever. Teach them shapes. And the book, the way they teach shapes is they give you the shape to trace as a kid. And they say, this is a triangle. This is a square. This is a circle. So I, I, I'll show it to you, kind of like the dotted line outline of the shapes. Uh, can you put it up there for me? So they, they would say, this is a, this is a, now what, what is this? Everybody shout out to me. One, two, three. What is this? Triangle. triangle. Okay. So they would say, this is a triangle. And so my son Winston would follow the dotted lines and he would put it up there, and under the shape would say triangle. Then they would go to the next shape, and they would have, you know, this, what's this? One, one two, three. It's a square. Okay, so he would do, you know, he would outline the square, and then he'd under the thing, and he would say, this is a square. And so as I'm walking him through it, I'm, son, this is a square. Say square. And he'd go, square. And I'd go, yeah, square. This is a square. And then he would, then what they would do is, now this is interesting. What they would do is the next page would be blank. And they would say, Write a square. Draw a square. Show us what a square is. And I'm like, this is pretty genius stuff here, teaching this child how to do a shape. So then he drew what he thought was a square, and this is what he drew. He drew a triangle. (laughs) And he said, I said, what is that, son? He goes, it's a square. And I said, no, that's a triangle, son. He goes, no, that's a square. And I said, no, that's a triangle. He said, dad, that's a square. Square. I said, mini Erica, that's a triangle. (laughs) Teasing, that's what I do. I argue over stuff. Anybody argue when you know you're wrong? Anybody do that other than me? Like, I'll be wrong, but I'm going to win this conversation. Now, how do I know that that's a triangle and not a square? Because there is a basis of truth in the world that that's a triangle and not a square. I, I can see, listen to me, this is important. I can see what's wrong because I know what's right. Not based on what I feel, based on what a book taught me and showed me to be right. I can see what's wrong because what a book taught me, I know what's right. So I can see the traps that the culture sets out when they tell me stuff about relationships and they tell me, no, 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 I know what you taught, what someone taught you was This is what a relationship looks like, but this is actually what a relationship looks like. No, I know what's right. You're trying to tell me that's not a triangle. That's a triangle. I know what a godly marriage looks like. This is what a godly marriage looks like. Y'all hear me. You got to listen because something's going to happen to you. You're going to be tempted when somebody comes into your life and somebody really eloquent gets on the mic or on YouTube or on Instagram or on Twitter, on that TikTok, and they're going to be telling you stuff about how you should raise your kids. 
and you're going to see it and it's going to be like, that don't feel right. You know why that don't feel right? Because someone taught you what a book said about what it, really raising your kid looks like. How you treat your kids, how you love your wife, how you honor your husband, how you deal with your money. There's going to be multiple areas in your life where people are going to convince you. You should do this. I'm sorry, you can't, can't tell me a triangle's a square. You can't, you can't tell me. And scripture allowed him to see truth because he was equipped to see it. He was equipped. He had it in his... I remember when my kids got glasses for the first time. My twins. It was a parent-fail moment. They had been going to school for years. We got them glasses because one of the teachers said they might need glasses. We, he went to school, came back, and said, Dad, there's stuff on the walls. <laughs> How many of y'all know that's a parent-fail? Yeah. He wasn't equipped, come on, to see clearly. And because he wasn't equipped to see clearly, he couldn't succeed right. You got to have it in you so that you can see clearly. And the temptation is you won't see it when it happens if you don't have it in you. There's a story in the Bible, Old Testament, Cain and Abel. Go back and read it. It's in Genesis 4. It's an interesting story between two brothers who bring offerings to God. And when they bring offerings to God, Cain brings this offering, which is kind of a leftover offering to God. Abel brings his first fruits. And people kind of keep, because Cain brought meat and Abel brought vegetables. And people be like, well, you know, that's Jesus is, a, you know, God's a vegetarian. Like, no, that's not what that story is about. And so it's about first fruits and not leftovers. What's your best, bring your best to God. And so Cain has this moment with God after God blesses Abel for bringing in his first. And God has this crazy interaction with Cain. And he says, listen, be careful with your anger and jealousy. I'm trying to get you to see the trap. Because if you walk into this thing, you're going to do something you regret. And the Bible says he didn't see it. In fact, when God's, it's, this is beautiful poetry. The Bible says God speaks to Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. Be careful. There's a trap out there. And the Bible says Cain gives into the trap and kills his brother. And, we, and is cursed from it. We got to be able to see the trap. We got to be able to see the trap. Number two, number two. We got to be spirit focused and not flesh focused. Spirit focused, not flesh focused. I like chapter four, verse three. He said, but Jesus told him, said, no, the scriptures say people don't live on bread alone. Because the devil told him, turn this stone into bread. And Jesus said, I'm not, I'm not about that right now. What I'm about is my spirit. You want me to be about my flesh. I'm about my spirit. You want me to be about my flesh. I'm about God. You want me to be about me. I'm about my church and what they're doing. And you want me to be about my vision. I'm about what like God's trying to do in my life and trying to walk his life out and his spirit and his goals. And you want to make my life about me. You want to make me God and not keep God God. And Satan tries to get us to focus always on our, our flesh instead of our spirit. Paul knew this. He was writing a letter to the church in Galatia. He said, he said this in Galatians chapter 5. He says, five, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. This is how it works. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You know you should do. 
Anybody else here like Paul where he said, like, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do? Me every day of my life? It's like, I, I know what I want to do, but, it, man, I have this weird pull to do things that I, I shouldn't do. Well, that's your flesh warring against your spirit. And so Paul's warning us, you got to be careful that when we're focused on our flesh, it grows the wrong desires. And this is the truth behind it. At the end of the day, desire follows attention. Some of us are like, man, I really desire the negative things of this world. Well, you give attention to it, your desire will grow towards it. What I, Bible teaches what you see, what you look at, you get full of. So when we get fixated, whatever we get fixated on, come on, you're, you, man, you... Whatever we give our attention to, you, you, man, you will, your desire will grow. Um, when I first started golf, I, some of y'all know I, I play golf because I talk about it a lot. That's God's sport. And, um, but when I first started playing, when I first started playing golf, um, I actually didn't like it. It was long, like four hours at a golf course, play 18 holes. It was expensive. It was frustrating. I'm trying to hit this little white ball. I feel like I'm pretty athletic. I got a lot of muscles. I can do this. It's not a joke, but okay. <laughs> trying to hit it. I didn't like it very much. And I remember telling my counselor, because my counselor was trying to get me to get a, a hobby. Because if you don't get a hobby, you're going to be crazy. You're already crazy. I'm trying to keep the crazy out of your life. And he goes, you need to commit to it. And I'm like, all right, well. So I went and played golf. And I went back to him and said, like, this is the dumbest thing ever. He goes, well, how long, did you, how long did you try it? I said, one time. He goes, well, of course you didn't like it if you tried something one time. How do you even know? You didn't even give it a chance. Get, commit yourself. So the more I did it, so I started doing it more and more and more and more and more and more and more. Now I'm addicted. I love it. Because, man, I gave my attention to it. Why? Because desire follows Attention, and if all I, this is so important for some of us in here because you guys got to really, this is an introspective moment. Please listen to me. Please hear me, okay? If all you focus on is how you feel and what your flesh tells you, you're in, you're in serious trouble. You're, you're not looking at your spirit. And I know a lot of us who don't even know we do it, but you react and your whole life is based on how you feel. And, and it, the, the truth of the matter, we know the truth, right? We know what we should do. We know the reality. Great things come on the other side of not feeling good. Like when I go to the gym, I don't feel good intentionally so that I feel good later. It makes me feel good later. When I don't do it, come on. If I live my life, I would love to live my life with a lazy boy some Cheez-Its. I promise you that's what I want to do. But I got to get out of my flesh so that I can have something better. And there's some of us in here who you are so concerned with how you feel and your lack and what you don't have and what it made you, made you clench your fist and what you really want and the desires of your weird spirit flesh. I'm just telling you, man, like, if I listened to my flesh, I could convince myself of anything. And, just, and you can find a Bible verse out of context to justify it. Isn't it true? 
You ever talk to somebody? I had somebody literally sit in my office to my face with a Bible verse to tell me why he needs to cheat on his wife and leave her. You don't want to be a pastor, I promise you. It's the type of nonsense I got to deal with. Well, I found a Bible verse that kind of does this. Let me show you why. Just listen to your flesh. You just want to do what you want to do. What's the Spirit say? And, and, and instead of listening to my flesh, I want to listen to the Spirit. And you know what pastors do? This is where I'll get on me. We say, we kind of sound like we start saying stuff like, well, just stop sinning. You'd be all right. Like, stop sinning. Hell, fire, hot, long time. <laughs> Convinced, you know. We say something like, the, the way to get over your desires for the wrong thing, the way to be more spirit-focused and flesh, you don't stop sinning. That's not how it works. You there's a replacement principle. you got to replace the sin with something that's good. So it's not like, I'm not going to stop thinking about my flesh, Pastor. I'm going to stop thinking about my flesh. 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 You know what you're thinking about every time you stop thinking about your flesh? Your flesh. It don't work like that. Even modern science will tell you that when it comes to your brain. So what should you do? You replace it with, no, I'm going to think about the Spirit. I'm going to think about the Spirit. I'm going to delight myself in the Lord. I'm going to be full of God. You know what's funny? If I'm full of God, I have very little room for other nonsense. So Paul is, is, is helping us understand. I got, man, I got to be spirit-focused, not flesh-focused. Last one, last one, I'm done. I got to establish some guardrails. We're talking about how to overcome temptation. If you, don't want, if you want to give in to your temptation, this, this sermon means nothing to you. But if you want to win this year, overcome some temptation, establish guardrails. Luke chapter 4, he has this last temptation, or second to last temptation. He said, then the devil took him to Jerusalem, the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, jump off. But he said, the scriptures say, this, Satan using the Bible against him, the angels are going to protect you. It's going to be all good. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you don't test the Lord your God. You know what the translation was? I'm sorry, you crossed the line. You crossed, I don't cross that line. I'm sorry, I have established guardrails and I don't cross them. I don't test God. That's not how this relationship's going to work. What may, be, what, what may be okay, some of y'all need to get this in your spirit. This is so good, okay? I'm like, it's, maybe it's going to make you mad or it might make you sad or maybe make you glad. I'm, one of the things, it may be okay. You're going to have to learn to say this to someone. It may be okay for you, but it's not okay for me. It's not okay for me. Because I've been in situations where people will get into weird situations where it seems like it's okay for them, and it might be. Like, I know people who can handle um, watching, a, like, maybe a, a weird, scary movie. I, I just know people who are that. I can't because I get scared. I believe in demons. And I'm honestly, I'm not really trying to invite any more scary. I'm trying to not be scared. <laughs> the people who like horror movies, I'm like, y'all are weird. Like, I'm trying to find happy movies. Where are the happy section? I got enough demonic attack, right? I don't need to see it happen in other people, you know? But, but some people can handle that. I, I know some people who can go to the bar and have one drink. And I know some people who cannot. And you have to have some wisdom in your life. Like, so I've seen it. People get around somebody who can, who like, man, can be at a party and can handle a couple of drinks. 
and then you can't handle that. You try to keep up with them, and you wind up being an idiot in the process, and you wonder, what happened? What happened was is you don't have a guardrail in your life. You don't have a line that you say, sorry, I don't cross that. You're, you're willing to give your life up for how it might make people look at you. And so we got to have, in order to overcome temptation, you got to have some guardrails. Guardrails are what I call pre-decisions. A pre-decision is a decision before you make the decision. And if you don't make a pre-decision, you tend to make a power decision. It's like, I'm not going to do this. This is not, and I can't tell you what guardrails you need to have in your life because we can go up there like, well, what guardrails, Pastor? What should I do? Should I turn my phone off? Never watch anything else? Should I make sure I never watch rated, rated R movies and then rated PG-13 movies? Like, what should I do? Help me be a guard. That's what people ask me all the time. Like, look, look, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever is, you have to work that out with God. I can give you a key. And, and, and the key could be this for, for you in your life. The bigger the consequence, I'd have the bigger the guardrail. I, have you noticed, if you ever drive on the road, did you notice that the guardrail looks different on like a little dirt embankment than it does the side of a cliff? Because if I, my, my car goes off on a dirt embankment, I might get my rims dirty. If I go off the side of a cliff, I get my life dirty. And some of y'all act like you, you swing around the corners of life real fast without any guardrails. And so if I'm you, man, I'd be really, really careful with my life. Jesus was even talking about in Matthew chapter 5. I'll paraphrase it for you. But he says, if your eye causes you to sin, you should pluck it out. Y'all know that one? Now, Jesus was obviously using hyperbole, but what he was really saying was saying, our temptations, man, are, 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 are if, if, if something is causing you to sin, you need to make an adjustment. Do not pray it away. Because some of us try to get real Christian, spiritual. Okay, Lord. I'm going to, um, I'm not going to be an alcoholic. But I'm going to go to the bar. And then we'll just see what happens. So give me the strength. Y'all know we do that, right? We do stuff like that. I, and I just noticed our temptations typically are attached to a person or a place. So I'm, I'm encouraging you as a church. If I can be your pastor, can I borrow any change I might have with trust in? If I have any trust with you, can I ask you to do something? Some of you in here need to establish some guardrails in your marriage. And you need to stop being alone with the opposite sex. Well, she's my friend. Says a lot of people who have affairs. Well, I'm strong. No, you're not. No, you're not. Did you know the Bible says you're not strong when it comes to sexual temptation? <laughs> it's like the only time it says be strong. That's not what it says when it comes to sexual temptation. You know what it really says? To run. Flee sexual temptation. Flee! Flee means run. Like, you ain't got the strength. Joseph didn't have the strength of Potiphar's wife in the Old Testament. You should go back and read it. So Joseph is this, has this crazy story. He becomes this amazing, uh, like, number two guy to the really rich man. The really rich man was always gone. His wife comes up to him and says, hey. Like, desperate housewife situation. And he's like, oh, my God. There it is. There's a trap. And you know what Joseph didn't do? Just and then go, hey, God, here's the deal. I need you to give me some strength right now. 
Now, the Bible says she grabbed his coat and he took off. Some of y'all need to take off. I'm sorry, it might be okay for you. It's not okay for me. Some of you, some of y'all guys, can, can I just, some of y'all don't come home when you, you can come home. And you like hanging with your boys or you like going out to the bar or you like going out and going doing something, hanging. You need to be home. Well, it was okay for my buddy. What's okay for them doesn't have to be okay for you. It's a guardrail I'll put up. Sorry, I, sorry. I've, I've said this before in our church, like you will not get me on Fridays and Saturdays. Like, I'm unashamed about it. And what's so funny is people try to push it. They try to see if I'm for real. You will not get me on Fridays and Saturdays. Why? Because you're with God. No, I'm with my family. I want my boys to know what their dad looks like. Face to face, not on a screen. Not from a, you know, he's, he's the pastor. My, my kids, I want to be famous in my own house. I'm not always good at it. I'm just, that's my guardrail. Sorry, you will not get me. Some of y'all, can I, some of you, especially some of you young people, y'all need to get out of the, the club late night. Be out with your friends late night. I thought it was interesting. Have you ever noticed in the news when they say, local celebrity, football star, basketball star, movie star is shot is killed, is beat up, is assaulted. They never say in his home in the middle of the afternoon at 2 p.m. Actually, what they say is this guy gave away his whole life because he was out of the club at 2 a.m. Isn't it funny how all those things seem to happen all at the club at 2 a.m.? So maybe a guardrail would be for some of us. Sorry, I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do that. Love you. I don't do that. Because I have a guardrail in my life. Because I'm not going to fall for the trap. Because I don't want what my flesh wants. I want what my, y'all hear what I'm saying. And I think if we should do some of those things. Man, my prayer, my prayer, my prayer is that you would overcome every temptation in your life. Please, I'm begging you. Do not, if you can't do all three of these things, do one, take a step today and let's make 2023 the best year of our life. Let's pray. Father, I love you, God. Lord, I thank you that right now you've given us such a word on temptation. I'm challenged personally. This, this message was rough for me to put together because I'm so challenged in so many areas of it. And I pray that God, you would give me the strength to do it, God, the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to walk it out in Jesus' name.